Hi, my name is Cecilia Mandrick, and I'm a life coach. I've worked with dozens of high-achieving individuals who feel in control of every aspect of their lives except their own happiness. In this podcast, I'm helping to bring self-proclaimed overachievers the practices, mindset shifts, and actionable steps they need to build more contentment, confidence, and joy in their everyday lives. If you want to create more happiness in your life, relationships, or even just your Mondays, then you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hey, and welcome to episode number nine of Happiness Created. Today, we're going to talk about why you shouldn't listen to everything your brain tells you or why you might want to question it just a little bit. So most of us think that our brains are truth tellers, that we have this all-knowing oracle who lives in our head that always knows what's best for us, is helping us live our most magical and fulfilled life, that makes completely rational and logical decisions all the time. We think that our brain is this all-powerful thing that knows the universal truth and is communicating to us. We also think that the first thought that we have must somehow be more true or carry more weight than all of the other thoughts that we have because it comes first, right? It pops into our head with so much certainty that it must be more true than everything else. That our brain even knows what the, with a capital T, truth, with another capital T, is. Let's bust that myth today. And I think if we do bust it, you might set yourself free in a pretty cool way. So I'm happy or sorry to report that you are not a completely logical and rational human being, that your brain is not a completely logical or rational thing that's in your head guiding you, I'm also happy or sorry to report that your brain is not an absolute truth teller. So these are just facts. I know that so many of us, especially maybe if you were trained in something quantitative, like maybe you're an economist or an engineer, that there is logical and rational thoughts that we can have, but our brains don't go there most of the time. Your brain's job is not to tell you the truth. It's to keep you alive. And oftentimes the truth is not the thing that will keep you alive. So your brain distorts facts. It holds on to thoughts and beliefs that don't serve you, and it generally keeps you doing the exact same thing that you have been doing because your brain equates change with danger. And again, your brain is interested in keeping you alive. It's interested in you surviving, not whether you're happy doing what you're doing, not whether you feel totally satisfied. Your brain's job is to notice all of the things that could potentially harm you and keep you away from them. This includes anything that might get you thrown out of the group, because if you think about it, being accepted by the group is and was pretty central to survival for us. And if you think about the timeline of humanity, We're not that far away from living in really dangerous conditions, and some of us still do live in pretty dangerous conditions, and so our brain is very invested in keeping us safe. It's something we're supposed to do. Even crossing the street can be dangerous, right? So our brain is there to keep us alive. And we should all take a moment right now to thank our brains for keeping us alive, for doing this work. It does this at all costs, right? You're here listening to this podcast episode today, so your brain has been pretty successful. It's been doing its job very well. It's kept you alive. Even if you feel stuck, even if there's a million things you might want to change about your life or just one thing that you'd like to change about your life, even if you feel frustrated, your brain has been doing a good job. So thanks, brains. And there might come a time, which maybe is now if you're listening to this podcast, that you're ready to have a different way of interacting with your brain, with your nervous system and beliefs, with your circumstances, which you know those people and things around you in your life. And that might be now, and that might be a time to then start to investigate why your brain does what it does and what it's actually doing. So who are the players in this game? You have your primitive brain. You have your prefrontal cortex, which is your thinking brain. 
You have your nervous system, which works pretty closely with your primitive brain. And you have your self-concept, which is your beliefs about you and your world. And then there's the you. And depending on what you believe or what your faith system is, that you that's behind all these other things might be something different. So I'll let you come up with that yourself. There is a you that is an observer, right, that is noticing all these different things happening. So those are the different parts that are coming into play here. And I want to take a moment to just talk about beliefs because I just glossed over them. But when I talk about beliefs, the beliefs you have about yourself and the world around you, I'm specifically referring to thoughts that you repeat to yourself so often that they feel like the news. These beliefs come from caregivers and parents, your family of origin, your community, the larger society, influential people in your life, the media your own inferences about what others might be thinking about you, your brain's interpretation of what's happening so it can stay safe and get your needs met. These are the beliefs. And it's important to note that beliefs are just sentences in your head, also known as thoughts, that you've repeated over and over and over again. You've repeated them so many times over so many years that they seem like a truth or the truth in your life. Like there's no other way to see or interpret the world around you, yourself, your behavior, or just you. And this is a really central idea to this work, is that your beliefs are not necessarily true. They are not necessarily the truth. There might be some truth to them historically or in present, but they are not the truth. And oftentimes there are other beliefs available to you. These belief patterns that you have coalesce into your self-concept how you see yourself and how you operate in the world, what you're willing to do, how you're willing to feel, who you're willing to be. So the self-concept interacts with your primitive brain. That's the one that wants to keep you safe and your nervous system. And these two players, your primitive brain and the nervous system, are pretty much against change. They're the ones that want to keep you doing the same thing that you have been doing because it keeps you alive, it keeps you safe. But your prefrontal cortex, and often you, might have different ideas about you, what you want to do, or maybe even should be doing, or how you want to be in the world. And so you have these competing desires. Your prefrontal cortex deals in action plans and Logic. Your prefrontal cortex also probably judges your primitive brain and nervous system for the reactions and the beliefs that keep you where you are. So your prefrontal cortex is that thinking brain, the one that comes up with those action plans, the one that says this is what we should be doing, the one that judges. Your prefrontal cortex has a plan to do something new. Let's say you want to write a book and creates this amazing plan. You might even get a book about writing a book or take a course about writing a book. And you can create the most amazing plan that's never going to fail. And then your nervous system and your primitive brain get involved with their pesky beliefs. And those beliefs can feel like the news to you. Your prefrontal cortex listens to the news. The primitive brain reports it all the time. They come up with all of these reasons why writing a book is a terrible idea. And all of the reasons you'll surely fail. And all of the holes in your action plan. And all of the terrible emotions you're certainly going to feel when you start or when you stumble or when you succeed. This is why action plans often don't work. It's not the action plan, right? The action plan is usually fine. It's that the action plan has to contend with your reality, which is your nervous system, the state of your nervous system, whether it's activated or not, and your primitive brain. And these two parts of you have a lot of pull because, again, they're the ones that are keeping you alive, which is the most important thing. The toughest part about this is that we so often believe the nervous system and the primitive brain. We believe what they say because it feels so true. It feels indisputable. They've been telling us this for years and years, that we're not capable, that we're not smart enough, 
that we're not whatever enough, that we don't have what it takes to do these different things. In conjunction with this, we're also taught a lot of things about emotions that make the emotions feel sort of scary to feel, which keeps us stuck even more. So we make the big emotions, we make these thoughts and our emotional reactions to them mean something about us. We mean, we make the thoughts from our primitive brain mean that we're not actually supposed to be doing something like writing a book. And all you want to do is start writing the book. It's your dream. It's the thing you want more than anything. Or maybe you just want to feel or do something else in your life. So how do you start to shift? How do you move away from these beliefs and thoughts that are keeping you stuck exactly where you are? The secret is understanding your beliefs and working with your primitive brain and with your nervous system, which involves cultivating compassion, curiosity, and self-awareness. And these are all practices, which means they take time. There's no pill that I know of that you can just take to have these to develop them overnight. You have to be able to see thoughts as thoughts to begin with. You have to have compassion and acceptance for those beliefs and thoughts. You have to understand that they come from someplace. They served you at some time. They helped you survive. They helped you get exactly where you are today. And so while they might feel maladaptive right now or feel like they're not serving you, at some point in your history, they were there for a reason. They did keep you alive. You have to curiously ask, what else can I believe in this moment? What else would I need to believe about myself, about the world, about my place in it to take the next small step? And this this stepping out from your belief into new beliefs. Stepping away from that first thought and seeing if there are other thoughts or beliefs available to you can take a lot of courage because it takes us admitting that that first thought isn't the truth, that it doesn't mean something about us. It's not a universal truth that we have to obey. This first belief doesn't mean that we're not meant for something. It's just the first thought we have. I want to let you know that your world will not cease to exist if you change what you think and believe, if you question that first thought. Because again, that first thought is not the most true thought. It's just your most practiced thought. It's the thought that you've practiced over and over again, usually for years. And I think it's so powerful to remember this. The first thought you have is not the most true thought. It's just the thought you're used to having. It's just the thought your brain is used to serving up. And so often we just take it and we're like, oh yeah, you're right. I'm not meant for this. I'd forgotten. Thanks for reminding me, brain. I'm going to go back to the job that I don't like. I'm going to go back to doing the thing that I have been doing. You might believe that it's selfish for you to spend time writing your book, that people will hate you for spending time working on it. You might have all of these big beliefs about what will happen if you do write your book. You might be afraid that things will fall apart. When you start to work on your new action plan, if that's writing your book or something else, your brain is going to serve up all of these first thoughts for you. It might say, people will hate you if you work on your book. It might be selfish to write your book. It might be selfish to spend time working on your book. And really what's happening is that you're afraid that you might hate you if you work on it. You might feel unsafe taking time for yourself. And there might be other beliefs available to you underneath those. You might also believe that you're a great writer you might also believe that writing is what you're supposed to do in your life, that this is your purpose. But until you start to untangle and work through the first set of beliefs and thoughts and get comfortable with those feelings, you won't be able to see or work through or even start to work with those second set of beliefs. And then your self-concept will stay exactly as it is. Your actions will stay exactly as they are. Because you're acting from the same thoughts and emotions that you've always been acting from. Even if you're trying to do something different, you actually won't end up doing anything different because your thoughts and emotions will be the same. And no matter what your action plan is, 
it likely won't end up working. Even if you take the Greek course, even if you have all the books, these beliefs in your brain are sneaky. They're also resistant, often judgy. They're sometimes hurt and wounded. This is also why working with someone through this kind of thing can be so powerful because developing awareness is a practice. Creating self-compassion is a practice and changing beliefs is a practice. And if you practice enough, I know that you'll see that there's so much available to you in this life, that there's so many thoughts and beliefs that support your growth, that the growth of the world. But first, you have to admit that not everything your brain serves up is the absolute truth in the universe. That The first thought your brain offers you, your primitive brain offers you, is not the truth. That you can actually find other beliefs available to you that you can start to tap into other things. I want this for you because I know it will change your life. I've seen it change so many people's lives. But just remember, the next time your brain tells you something, you can have compassion for that. And you can say, oh, right, brain, you're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. And I want to see if there's something else I believe in this moment. I want to see if there's some other way I can go that might change how I feel, that might change what I do today, that might change how I am. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope this was helpful. Remember, your brain is not a truth teller. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you're looking for another way to bring a little bit of joy into your life, I have just the thing for you. My Feel Your Feelings mini course is designed to help you develop emotional literacy and increase your emotional resilience. It's totally free and available for you by going to Cecilia, that's C-E-C-E-L-I-A-B, Mandrick, M-A-N-D-R-Y-K, dot com, forward slash free training. I just know you're going to love it. We'll see you back here next week on Happiness Created. See you then. Here's a quick reminder to follow this podcast so you can get your weekly dose of happy delivered right to the top of your favorite podcast app. All you need to do is open the Apple Podcast or Spotify app on your phone, search for Happiness Created, click on the show, and hit the little plus sign or follow button in the upper right corner. I'll meet you back here next week.